When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Everybody, welcome to a Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. It is Texter Tuesday. I am Dan Libby. I'm joined today by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. And Ellis Williams joins us also. Ellis, how are you today? Things are cool. A quieter weekend after, you know, the weekend that was a draft. So it, weird high and low there, but it, things are well, man. Yeah, and this is sort of the, uh, this is sort of that first weekend here where we sort of missed something because it would have been rookie minicamp over this last weekend, probably, you know, maybe they would have waited till this coming weekend, but we've sort of reached the point now where we're actually missing things uh, because the Browns can't be at their facility, but we are not missing texter questions. It is texter Tuesday. I put a call out for them about an hour and a half before we hit record and we got a good number. And let's just start here because a couple people brought up this name, uh, Donovan Peoples Jones, and this comes from the 330 area code. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones is definitely an interesting pick. Uh, This person says he never impressed him that much at Michigan, but that Michigan hasn't impressed that much as a whole under Jim Harbaugh for whatever reason. So the question here is, I'm hoping the Browns will give him a good look when the time comes. Do you think they will? And, you know, this sort of opens up a bigger discussion about Peoples-Jones and what his role might be in his rookie year. But Mary Kay, obviously the Browns were intrigued enough uh, to use a sixth-round pick on this guy. So I'd imagine – however that looks early on, they're, they're going to see what he can do. Yeah, you know, I've, I've talked to some personnel folks, some scout types, and uh, basically the feedback that I've been getting is that uh, the sixth round was a good spot in which to take Donovan Peoples-Jones. That that was uh, about where he probably should have gone, even though we heard differently from, from Urban Meyer. And I know people are very, very excited about uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, but this is a guy that they took a flyer on and what they are hoping is that in addition to his return ability that they can get their hands on him they can get their receivers coach chad o'shea you know digging in there working with him and bring out the best in him and that uh you know that he turns into maybe a diamond in the rough but i don't think they're looking at this as wow they found their number one receiver for two years down the road in the sixth round i think it's a great opportunity to get him in here and get to work with them and see what he can do. Yeah, and, and Ellis, I, I know you, you, you talked to somebody about Peoples-Jones. You did a little uh, film study on him, too. So, so you've spent some time kind of watching this guy and, and kind of trying to determine how he might fit. Right. So the, the, the book on Jones is all there. The athlete, go up and get the football, stuff like that. Two interesting things about him that I've recently learned um, on top of those conversations. One, 
read a little nugget about Shea Patterson. Someone was reviewing the 2016 uh, recruiting class, so they would have been high school seniors, and quoting wh where the quarterbacks were ranked. And Shea Patterson was actually the number one recruited quarterback out of high school, Michigan quarterback. Um, and I, you know, I'm not the I don't follow college ball too closely, uh, but you know, I remember him being a big get for for Harbaugh there. And then you go and watch the tape, and you see he's wildly inaccurate. And anyone Big Ten Michigan football knows that that Michigan offense uh, really struggled at times. So I think that's an easy first thing to say with uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones that it was a lot more of a quarterback and a offense in flux than it was necessarily about him. And then second, I remember what he said in uh, the press conference or the call we had with him after the draft, and he shared with us that him and special teams coordinator Mike Prefer met at the at the combine and that makes a lot of sense considering he was a punt returner at Michigan I'm sure he's going to get a first crack or a great chance to win that punt returning job and who knows maybe you can return kicks also prefer and Cordero Patterson were very successful in Minnesota so this young man has an opportunity not to just make an impact at receiver with his natural abilities but also on special teams kick punt return and then I'd see him having a role as a gunner and kickoff team as well so a lot of ways this young man can make a name for himself in Cleveland and so I don't blame Browns fans for being intrigued by that yeah I think that's sort of the way to start looking at him right like how does he fit on special teams because it's him and Jojo Natson right now as, as your likely return guys to maybe compete there um, he's going to have to probably do some work as a gunner, like you said, Ellis. Um, you know, the issue with getting him on the field is going to be similar to what we talked about with Rashard Higgins, you know, last week. At, at some point, you got to make a decision. Do you want Kareem Hunt on the field or do you want Donovan Peoples-Jones on the field? Do you want, you know, Rashard Higgins on the field? So, you know, you have to make these, these decisions on who you want on the field, especially when you're running a lot of tight ends, running backs, bigger personnel. So how much he gets on the field as a receiver this first year I don't know. I don't think it matters, though, because, uh, again, Mary Kay, this is about the long term. This is about turning him into something, not necessarily this year in 2020. That would be great. But this is a you're taking a sixth rounder and kind of seeing what he, be, he can become over the course of that first contract. Yeah, I think the other thing to, to note here, too, is, as you just mentioned, they just signed Richard Higgins. So that is actually going to make it maybe even a little bit more difficult for Donovan Peoples-Jones uh, to get on the field as early as perhaps maybe he may have, because uh, in this coronavirus epidemic, you know, he's not really going to have the opportunity to get the install, to get the timing down with Baker Mayfield uh, yet. And, you know, we don't know exactly how it's going to go uh, with training camp or anything like that yet. But uh, what you have is Richard and Baker already having a stable base together. Uh, now, they are learning a new offensive system, so they're not going to have the exact same timing that they had, but this is a rhythm, precision offense. And the fact that they already have some chemistry together. Baker knows where Richard likes the ball placed, you know, on his body and, and nuances like that. Therefore, uh, I think that it, it is a little bit of a game changer in terms of the third wide receiver. Yeah, and Mary Kay, if I can add to that really quickly, because I love that you brought up Richard, and people are going to look at those two battling for the number three receiver spot, whatever you want to call it. But one really interesting distinction, distinction between those two is Higgins isn't a special teams guy. He, they might play the same position on the field, but when you're looking at these two as football players, uh, they're very different in how they can help special teams. So I'll say advantage Donovan Peoples-Jones just because he'll have the opportunity to get in the good graces of the coaches by making gritty special teams plays and the type of stuff in August that get coaches fired up, seeing someone run down there on kickoff and make a tackle. He's going to get those chances. Higgins likely doesn't even though they're going to be competing for essentially the same spot on a, on a depth chart. 
Yeah, and, and look, there's there's no guarantees for for anybody when you're talking about a sixth round pick. Now, I don't think they would cut him, but and even Rashard Higgins, who they only paid nine hundred thousand dollars to, you know, if, if it comes down to it and they have to make choices, they'll make choices. But I, I think Peoples Jones has a chance to kind of unlock some things in this offense if they, if they want to get creative uh, and, and do some different things. Um, all right, Mary Kay, you just put up a, uh, as, as we're recording this, you put up a, a takeaways post kind of running down um, Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski's recent radio tour uh, and, and some other things. And you kind of touched on some of this, maybe what to expect next from Andrew Barry. So from the 330 area code uh, from one of our football insiders, each of you take a shot at Andrew Barry's next significant move. Uh, so Mary Kay, do you, do you have one in mind as what the significant move could be? I know what I'm going to say, but you had something in your takeaways. And I don't, I don't want to steal it from you in, in case it's yours. Well, you know what? I mean, I mentioned Jadavian Clowney uh, just because we know that he's somebody that has been on the radar. But the fact that, uh, that they have been uh, so emphatic about the fact that Olivier Vernon is going to be here leads me to believe that the only way that Jadavian Clowney is, is coming out of this football team is if that price comes way, way, way down. Right now, he is still wanting like $17 million a year or something like that. And I just don't see that happening at this point. But, you know, from, from everything that we've seen and heard, they were interested in him. Again, I don't know if he's on the radar right now. I don't know if, they've, if that ship has sailed. I really don't know. But I do think, and I do know, just listening to Andrew Berry, he's going to do everything he possibly can to continue to upgrade the roster, not taking that foot off the gas pedal. I think he'll look at all kinds of positions, that, you know, things that we think that they have enough of. I still think he's going to look at linebacker, offensive line, wide receiver, defensive back. You know, I, I really do think uh, that they will add more talent, but I just don't have a name for you yet. So, so the direction I was going to go um, was, you know, because I, I don't know exactly what's going to become available. This could be a situation where somebody gets cut, right? And then all of a sudden, oh, he'd look good in brown and orange, you know? So I, I think it could certainly go that way. But um, the thing you mentioned in, in your story was maybe starting to talk an extension with Miles Garrett. Does that get done? I don't know. If I'm Miles Garrett, I might want to wait and see what some other guys get. If I'm the Browns, I would maybe want to get that thing signed right now. Uh, it just sort of depends what Miles is after and what the Browns are after. But, um, you, you know, I've, I've kind of had that one on my radar all offseason. I wonder if, you know, now that things are settling down a little bit, if maybe they'll, like you mentioned it in, in the story you put up, if we're, we're going to maybe start to see some headway uh, in, in that direction. Yeah, I think they will, as fast as they possibly can, try to get him extended. It behooves them to do so. One of the best edge rushers in the NFL, you want to get that guy wrapped up. As you mentioned, Miles might want to wait and see what the climate is going forward in terms of the new CBA and the money and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I definitely think uh, that they will make every effort to re-sign him. And, you know, they're showing good faith in him after he is coming off of a suspension. Uh, and they have stuck by him through thick and thin. And they have said that he is a key and vital member of their future and that he is obviously one of their biggest building blocks, probably their biggest building block on defense. Uh, so there are some incentives for him to get signed and to get that guaranteed money. Uh, you know, there's injury, there's all kinds of things that, that can happen. Uh, so, that, you know, you can look at it both ways. I know they'll try. 
yeah, Maya Miles is a different kind of dude too. So it's it's just hard to kind of get a read on, on what he'd be after. Ellis, uh, you got any any different moves that maybe we've missed? I don't. I do want to add two things quickly here, though. In the talk about Jadavian Clowney and Olivier Vernon, we don't bring up Adrian Claiborne's name enough. Uh, he's gonna he comes in over from Atlanta, and I'm assuming a guy they're counting on to uh, fill that role that everyone wants Clowney to fill, even though Clowney's the name. Uh, this is a veteran and who was extremely productive in his time in Atlanta and still has some stuff left in the tank. And second, I'll say this just for Browns fans talking about what moves next, what moves next. Sometimes the best move is no move. Um, I don't have the numbers exactly in front of me, but the Miami Dolphins led the league last year in transactions by a, a pretty large number. And whether it's, you know, cut, sign, trade, whatever, they had moving pieces all all the time. And we know what it was like listening to, oh, are they tanking for two and all that. And, they're on the they probably on the rise now looking into the 2020 season but just because your team's making a lot of moves doesn't mean they're headed in the right direction for that season so if if, if it's a quiet time for Barry and the Browns right now that's fine because they did their heavy lifting in free agency in the draft Barry was going nonstop, though. so some quiet and some names outside of Javion Clowney I'm, I'm fine if nothing comes up Okay, let's, uh, let's move on to a position that Mary Kay, you mentioned. Um, we had two questions about this position. First from the 773 area code. Uh, I'm left with some concerns at linebacker. What can the Browns legitimately do prior to the season to upgrade anyone available by trade that you're hearing about? And then the other question here, if I can find it just from the 567 area code, any chance the Browns address the linebacker situation more as the offseason progresses? So sort of how we just answered it, of course, is, you know, you'd never rule anything out. Uh, you know, obviously it was a different GM, but remember a few years ago when um, was it Michael Kendricks that, that came available? Do I have the right Kendricks in mind there? Yeah, Mary Kay is nodding. So Michael Kendricks became available and, and the Browns added him late. There's always a, potentially someone who could become available uh, that the Browns could add. But I'll sort of reframe this. Um, are, are, are we completely comfortable with this linebacker situation sort of as it's built? Because right now you've got uh, probably Mac Wilson is your starter in the middle. It, it, we'll see how Joe Wood sort of deploys the the rest of things. See how Taki Taki in the mix. Uh, of course, they added they they drafted somebody in the, in the third round. Um, so, you know, is, is this linebacker group set, Alice? What, what do you think? I think for for right now, it, they're focused on and comfortable with a young and inexperienced group, quite frankly, and they solidified that by spending, uh, you know, the ninety seventh pick on a linebacker that people view as a project but that in a way encapsulates what they want this room to be anyway they want it to be young they're going to accept the inexperience because they believe they'll coach them up but just athletic and talented uh, Phillips is a modern NFL linebacker build similar to Mac Wilson someone who can cover the field and chase down runners and they're fine with that and you can't build the perfect defense you definitely can't build the perfect defense in one offseason so if that's the one position that they're going to focus more on in 2021 and 2022 then so be it as you know again I've had this exercise before but name the starting middle linebacker for either of the teams that played in the Super Bowl this year with the Chiefs and the 49ers the average fan can't do it I had to use Google okay it's just tough to do so if it's a position like that you can wait on it this team's going to be built on the front get after the quarterback and the secondary to cover the receivers and that position has to wait. So it's going to be wait and see from here on out with that group. Yeah, Mary, Mary Kay, this linebacker group, you know, it, it kind of is what it is at this point. Do, do you see big changes? Or, or I mean, is there a party that maybe wonders, can, can Mac Wilson do this? We got to see him for a long time last year. Can he kind of take that next step? 
Well, he will have some competition. And I think there's good competition at all the linebacker spots. But he will have competition, uh, you know, if, if you're talking about the middle for him. You'll, you know, B.J. Goodson, they signed him. And then, of course, uh, they drafted Jacob Phillips. So I think they have good competition at each position uh, at linebacker. However, uh, that is one area where I could see them continue to try to scour other teams' rosters, the waiver wire, uh, free agency, whatever the case may be, uh, to try to add to the pile a little bit because it's an area that, you know, they just didn't go overboard uh, in, in free agency or the draft. You know, they added some bodies, they added some, some depth. Uh, but again, I don't know if it's a position that they're putting a super high, high priority on right now. Uh, I think they feel pretty comfortable with what they have. Wouldn't be surprised. One guy, uh, you know, we could mention is Sione Takitaki. What can they expect from Takitaki this year? They did not really see much of him last year. Uh, he's someone that if he wants to get playing time, he's going to have to get out there and he's going to have to pick up the system very quickly and show uh, that he can get the job done, likely, obviously, at Sam or weak side backer. Okay, this one comes from the 216 area code talking of, about cap space. Uh, the Browns still have a lot of cap space dollars available this year. As a matter of fact, they're near the top of the NFL in that category. Can you explain the thinking behind not spending that this year? Um, other than the Haslam's getting the, the benefit of the doubt, is there any, benef any advantage to keeping cap expenses down this year? There's complicated answers to this. Of course, there, there's rollover and there's all of that. Uh, but the reality is, uh, even though the Browns have a ton of cap space, you can't really criticize them for not spending money. <laughs> they went out and signed the highest, uh, highest paid uh, tight end on the market, the highest paid tackle on the market. Uh, really, they're just a young football team with a lot of guys playing on, young, on rookie contracts. And uh, let's be honest, we've already talked about extensions. Mary Kay, those contracts aren't going to be cheap for much longer. They're going to have to start paying guys soon. Yeah, so you've got the Miles extension, which is going to be huge. Uh, then you're going to have the Baker extension, which if he has the kind of year that everybody expects him to have in 2020, uh, he's just going to really hit the jackpot like crazy, like everybody else does that's a starting quarterback in the NFL these days on their second contract. And then, uh, you know, then you're going to have Denzel. And then, you, you know, you're going to have to decide what you want to do with some of those other big numbers uh, that Jarvis has, that Odell has. So, um, you know, they, they are probably going to roll over some of that money and they will try to get miles done as soon as they can. Yeah, Ellis, the cash spending has been there. It's just the way it's worked out. Um, it, it hasn't been, you know, it's not eating up a bunch of the cap uh, right now. So, you know, these are premium positions. You have to pay defensive ends big money, quarterbacks big money, cornerbacks big money, you know, there's just really, that's how it works. These are big money positions and they're going to have to start paying these guys soon. Right. It's, it's a sleeping giant of a number because really these, these contracts become due. And then once that's spent, uh, that cap number we see in 2020 won't reflect what it's going to be in 21, 22. And I think you can look at a team like the 49ers, for example, um, or even, you know, the Minnesota Vikings where Kevin Stancy just was, you trade your, first round talent is Stefan Diggs or DeForest Buckner and you bring in younger talent and that's what the Browns did at linebacker we can look at the Joe Schobert and Christian Kirksey situation uh, so you build with young capital that way and you keep the money available for when your big money items come up and the Browns are in a position right now again like the Niners Nick Bosa will want a, a contract similar to Miles Garrett they're about two years apart there 
Um, they've got a, a safer number at quarterback. But that point being said, Dan, like you laid out, those positions are the big money positions. And the Browns are just in a spot where those big money spots are all young spots right now. In a few years, that won't be the case. And then the real gymnastics are going to start for the cap. Okay, uh, before we take a break and I tell everybody how to get involved with Football Insider and Texter Tuesday moving forward, we're going to ask another question here. And there were a couple people that asked about the right guard situation. There was a question, um, you know, is there an area where the Browns didn't address in the draft? And I, I think guard is probably it. And then some questions about how they're going to fill that position. So here's how I'll frame it. Do you believe that the Browns starting right guard is on the roster right now, Mary Kay? You know, I think that is one position uh, that they absolutely will kind of keep their eyes open for. But they do have good competition there right now. Uh, they have Wyatt Teller. Uh, they have um, Evan Brown, Drew Forbes. Now Nick Harris, their, their draft pick, uh, who is basically a future center, but they will give him an opportunity uh, to compete for that right guard job. And then in a pinch, they can use Chris Hubbard there. They don't really want to. He's the swing tackle. But uh, they've got a lot of bodies there that they can look at, and I think the competition will bring out the best in everyone. And if someone like Wyatt Teller does win the job, he will have a, a better upgraded right tackle next to him in Jack Conklin. So just by virtue of that, I think you will see enhanced play from him. And, and Ellis, there's a bigger roster building question in this too. When you're picking your 53 guys, a guy like Nick Harris, if he's able to also play guard, and he can be your backup center. You like to have that, that dual ability when you're going through and picking your 53. Yeah, and that same flexibility, as Mary Kay pointed out, is with Chris Hubbard also. So those are two really valuable roster spots for the Browns, even though they likely aren't going to be starters in week one. Uh, they're just as valuable as the guys out, out there because of they're filling two spots for one guy, which is why I think the answer has to be that the starter, you know, barring an injury or anything crazy like that, the starting right guard is on this team somewhere. Uh, you know, Teller, Forbes, whoever it is, they've got other bodies that can take over if the guys in the front of this competition don't do their job. Again, throw you can throw a Nick Harris out there, even though he's being groomed to be a center. They've got a lot of options, and it's not a problem they need to solve right away. I'm going to take the worst victory lap ever. When I predicted last year that Eric Cush would be the week one starter at right guard, I'm going to take my shot again. I'm saying Wyatt Teller. There's my prediction. Okay. You and know I what? I and I won't do an old takes exposed if I'm wrong on that. We'll just pretend I never said anything. But that's my prediction. He's a front runner. I mean, he he started there last year. He is the front runner. He's got the inside track. So one of these other guys, such as a Drew Forbes, would have to come in and or Evan Brown or somebody uh, that they sign in free agency and we tend to forget about. Um, one of those guys would have to come in there and completely beat him out. And they seem to love Nick Harris. Now, I don't really see that happening right away. Um, I still see Wyatt kind of in the lead here, uh, but he will get pushed for sure. Okay, we're going to take a quick break here, and I'll tell you about Football Insider and how to get involved in our next Texter Tuesday. We'll be right back. Want to get involved in our Texter Tuesday? you got to sign up for Football Insider. Here's what it is. 
uh, me, Mary Kay, Scott Patsko, Ellis Williams are going to text you a few times throughout the day with uh, the inside scoop on the Browns, analysis on what the Browns are doing, and our takes as we have them right to your phone, right through text message. You can respond directly to us and we'll respond directly to you. Cutting through all that clutter of Twitter and social media, we respond directly to you. And of course, it's the only way you can be involved on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast and our Texter Tuesdays. Uh, You also get a newsletter exclusive every single morning texted to you. No one else sees that. It only goes to our Football Insider subscribers. You can try a 14-day free trial that you can cancel anytime with one text. After that, it's $3.99 a month. And we also have events, all sorts of things. So you'll want to check that out. Go to cleveland.com slash browns. There's a box on the right side of the page you can click on to get more information and sign up for your free trial. Or you can text 216-208-3965. Again, that's 216-208-3965 to get involved with Football Insider. All right, welcome back to our Text Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby joined by Mary Kay Cabot and Ellis Williams. And there were some schedule questions because the NFL schedule will be coming out sometime between now and May 9th. Uh, We know who the Browns will play. We just don't know when. So we're going to get into some of this. But first of all, let's just start with this because this is always, this is going to be the question until they actually start playing games. Uh, How are we feeling right now about the likelihood of an NFL season? I think I I was probably the most pessimistic of the group two months ago. Um, I've softened that stance a little bit. I think it's going to end up looking different, but it just feels like more and more this is barreling towards there is going to be some sort of football at some point. They're going to get this figured out, especially if the NBA is able to come back, uh, if if baseball is able to get on the field, that's the benefit the NFL has is they get to let those leagues kind of go first. Um, But I I do feel more and more like, yeah, we are going to have, some sort of season this year, even if it's not the 256 games that we see uh, released later this week. Yeah, I think so too. I think the NFL set the precedent for forging ahead with a business by going ahead and having free agency on time. Then they went ahead and did the draft on time. Now, even though nobody really knows exactly what is going on uh, with the COVID-19 epidemic, pandemic, uh, they really plan to release the schedule still this week. So they, it has been, for the most part, uh, business on time for them. Therefore, I think they are really going to try to forge ahead, get this season started on time. It may look a little bit different. It may not be exactly what everyone anticipates or expects, but it seems like Roger Goodell, it seems like President Trump, uh, keeps saying the same thing, that there is going to be a season that it is going to be on time, and it is going to be the full season that they fully expect. Now, of course, they have contingency plans for that. They can move it back. Uh, they can you know, delay it. They can shorten it. Uh, they can load up on division games at the end of the season, and they have all of those contingency plans. They are ready to do any of those kinds of things. But I still think right now the push, the absolute push, is going to be to get NFL football on the field on time. And, and Ellis, I mean, again, like I said, that calendar still sort of works in their favor. You know, even if, I mean, look, the schedule's going to come out and we all sort of know these are sort of hypothetical dates right. because we just don't know if it's going to happen. But, um, you know, at least the calendar is in their favor right now. Yeah, I think something like the, the NBA draft is supposed to be June 25th. And I heard Woj say on Sports Center the other day, like, 
that hasn't been pushed back yet, but everyone's assuming it will be. So you're right about that. When we see these dates, they, they seem pretty soft. What I will say about this is I'm pretty confident, just feeling-wise, NFL football will get played in some capacity, way, shape, or form. The questions for me are when does that start, Mary Kay, as you said, like on time, so when, and where? You know, where are these games going to get played? Those are the two daunting questions right now. I can see both sides of it pushing, delaying the start of the regular season, buying more time likely helps the case of games being played in home stadiums starting sooner. We're probably talking more remote stuff and yeah, yeah, that's probably a whole nother podcast, but it will be, I'm curious to see what owners will fall on. Hey, let's get these games started on time and we'll just play from a few different sites and everything will be virtual like the draft and which owners want to say, no, let's start in October or possibly November and actually have some games in our stadium. So we've got a lot to figure out, of course, and there's too much money on the line and the people who make those big bucks will figure this out. Um, But it's more about when and where than if, I think, at this point. Yeah, it's it's always a money question, (laughs) right? There's a lot of money out there. And the NFL really is, if we're being honest, the NFL is a TV sport. You know, it's a sport that, yeah, you would certainly miss the fans there, but um, it, it is a t- it is a made-for-TV sport. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see. They, they have time, like I said, to, to figure this out. The real question is going to be getting the players ready. So if they can't get the players on the field, you know, I know in the NBA they're talking about if they restart the season, they might need a month of, like, a training camp to get players ready. So, you know, that always kind of complicates it if they can't get the players on the field at the end of July like they normally would. Uh, all right, this question here, uh, trying to speculate what games could end up in prime time for the Browns. So there were a ton of games last year in prime time. I think maybe, you know, the networks maybe feel a little burnt like everyone else felt last year with those 6-10 and 10 Browns, but there's still a lot of appeal with this team. Uh, what, what game or games did, would you kind of target for prime time if you're an NFL network exec? I, I think there's a gimme here, but I'll let, I'll let one of you grab it. Well, first of all, we should probably mention uh, that the news came down today that they have canceled the international games. And so, you know, as we all know, that the Browns were a candidate to play the Jaguars in London. So uh, that is not happening now. So that is one thing that we do know about the schedule so far. Uh, I would say primetime, you've got to start with, uh, you know, Bengals now with Joe Burrow. You've got to start with Bengals. And then you've got to start, you know, you got to th- think about Ravens, uh, obviously, for obvious reasons. Uh, so those are, those are two that, that really come to mind, uh, I would say, probably two of the biggest ones for me. So the one, the one I'm thinking about, and I've thought about this a little bit because I'm going to do sort of a schedule prediction post of sorts. So I've, I've put a little bit of thought into this. Browns-Ravens was one I was thinking on like a Thursday night. That would be perfect. Uh, throw, throw that one on a Thursday night. They always kind of have that Thursday night divisional game. Uh, I, I think that would be a good one. Ellis, do you, do you have one? There's one more that I have in mind. I'm just wondering if you're going to throw this one out. Perfect. I'm sure I'm going to take it then. Uh, it, it's Giants-Browns. Uh, yeah. Odell Beckham Jr., of course, would have been going back to New York, and that kind of goes with our last question, where will these games be played? It might not be the same if he – I mean, I know he played in – they played in the Jets last year, of course, but, you know, th- that feels different when it's the giant blue compared to the jet green. So that's the one that stands out to me for obvious reasons. You got Odell Beckham Jr. ESPN will sell the heck out of that as they did last year. And it would have been Odell going back to, to play the Giants. So that one stands out. But, again, 
it just feels seems hard to believe that um, they'll be playing football in New York City. But I, you know, I don't want to be a downer on this Monday. So that's the game to look forward to. I think. Yeah, I, I feel like that one has like a Monday night written all over exactly. it. Like you said, if it's a normal game, then of course being um, so close to New York City, we, who knows? It's just impossible to to predict sort of with everything. So, so yeah, I think we kind of hit on those. Um, as far as a, a potential opener, someone was asking what a, a good opener would be for the Browns. And Mary Kay, you touched on this, you know, this texture throughout the Bengals, but no. It really seems like this schedule, if they're going to do it and make it so it can be shortened, they're going to have to backload those division games. So yeah. you got to start yeah. looking at those NFC games, maybe the Cowboys early on. Um, see, yeah. Maybe the Giants are early in the season, but you know the Eagles at home, th- those are sort of the options that, that you're kind of looking at for maybe a potential opener. Yeah, I don't see it, again, being any of the AFC North games. So uh, yeah, you could be looking at, um, again, Colts, Texans, Redskins, it can, you know. How about it, a Browns, how about a Browns Jaguars opener? Now, there you that go. That will not be in prime time. <laughs> um, the, the London special just played on the week one now that they're not going in there over there anyway. Just, just yeah. get it over with. So, yeah, it's it's hard to say, but I, I can definitely see them. And they've already actually started doing this, where they are dumping the division games into the end of the schedule anyways. So I think you can really count on that again this year. Yeah, a few years ago, I know the Browns opened up in Philly. Um, so, you know, you can always do that AFC-NFC crossover to open. It, it's not impossible. Washington, you know, that, that would be an interesting option as well. So I, I think that's probably the direction you would be looking Um with with a potential opener those early games look out of division and look across conference and I was I was a little curious if maybe we'd see a Browns Cowboys Thanksgiving matchup but again if they got to backload that schedule that might be off the table um, as well uh, one last thing somebody brought this up and I, I don't know if, if anybody if either of you have a story or anything like that but with Don Shula passing um, you know my only story is I did get to interview him for a show we did on the website of course, it's, it's great anytime you get to interview a, a legend like that. So uh, uh, with Don Shula passing, I don't have necessarily a great, you know, hey, I met him here moment or anything like that. But uh, uh, certainly it, it was a, a pleasure to get to interview him. I want to say it was maybe four or five years ago uh, we, we had him on a, on a show. So and, and of course, with his local ties, um, you know, that, that's one of those things that you kind of look back on on a day like this, and you're like, oh, that was, that was kind of cool that, that I got to, to be a part of that. Do either of you have sort of a Don Shula memory or, or a story or anything like that? You know, I mean, I've met him several times, and, the, you know, just the thing about him is just, uh, just an incredibly classy individual, a gentleman, just somebody that was just such a face of the NFL, and that, you know, you just have – uh, so much respect for him. He was just an icon in the sport. And again, just being from here, going to John Carroll, playing for the, you know, there's just so many local ties and, you know, it is a sad, sad day. And he was, you know, su- such a revered member of the NFL by so many. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to date myself a little bit here. Not that it matters, but uh, I think I was four years old when he was inducted to the pro football hall of fame. So that probably tells you what you need to know, but I will say this, um, the fact that the New England Patriots could not have an undefeated season with Tom Brady and then being from Minnesota, Randy Moss that year, that tells me everything I need to know about Don Shula and those Dolphins. For a record like that to still stand and probably will never be broken, records are, are set to be broken. And I think in this time, especially 
we're seeing that that not every anything's possible. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it put it that way. And for that record to still be standing, and for Tom Brady and Randy Moss to take their best shot at it and fall just short, that's as impressive as it gets for me. And uh, one of the members of that undefeated team, Larry Zonka, who went to you guys know which high school? Stowe High School. Stowe High School. Stowe's finest. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That will do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. If you want to get involved in uh, Text or Tuesday, sign up for your 14-day free trial of Football Insider. Earlier, I told you the number to text. Or you can go to cleveland.com slash browns. There's a little box on the right side of the page that you can click on uh, and get all the information and get signed up there. So we will be back tomorrow with another podcast. And, of course, stay tuned. When that schedule comes out, we'll talk about that. Uh, but for now, for Mary Kay Cabot and Ellis Williams, I'm Dan Lobby. Thanks for listening.